people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Listen up, fanboy. It's the, the Fanboy, fanboy Planet, Planet Podcast. Podcast. Coming to you in stereo? No, we're still mono. That was one take. That, and we just blew it. This is the Fanboy Planet Podcast. We are the night before Thanksgiving. Actually, the first night of Hanukkah. Yeah. Uh, so Wednesday, November it's 27th. Thanks, Hanukkah. It's, I'm not going to go there. It's Wednesday, November 27th. It happens like every 70 years. It'll be a while. Yeah. Uh, will we be podcasting at that point? I don't think so. And anyway, we are podcasting. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And across from me, in stereo... Rick Brett Snyder. We are without Nate, who is en route tonight to his family's first married Thanksgiving. Uh, so you know, It's an important one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we give him that. Um, and everybody else was en route too. Uh, Jason Salazar is somewhere in Southern California. Chris Garcia is somewhere Disneyland. in South California. I know, but I don't want to. You know, I don't want people stalking if they uh, they can stalk us here. That's a safe place. <laughs> but he's with his child. Uh, yes, Chris Garcia is uh, also going to be in Southern California this weekend. Indeed, he's with his beard. Yes, and and Linda. So uh, I don't think Linda went with him. Oh no, I think you know, he's just with his beard then. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then and Drew Simchik, our Doctor Who expert, uh, was also en route to San Diego. So wow. unfortunately, like the people that I would have wanted the most to bring in tonight, luckily none of them are facing the devastating storms and such. That... Uh, no, what storms? It's seventy degrees in Southern California today. Um, you know why? Because there is no global warming. Um, climate change? What's that? Yeah. So no, it's 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 a myth. It's a liberal myth. Uh, so we do have some comics news, uh, some movie news, and of course the big news, uh, or the big conversation that I think people are looking forward to, except Nate, so it's a good thing he's not here, Yes, is uh, why I wanted to bring in all those other people that would be Doctor Who experts, is of course, Doctor Who took over the world again this week. Amazing weekend. No questions. Amazing weekend. Amazing weekend. So, uh, but before we do that, I, we actually have a letter. Oh. It's not uncanny. We've, We've got, got Fanny Mail. Fanny Mail. Yeah, our, we really should have rehearsed our harmonies. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, uh, from uh, I don't know if this is a listener or if this is just an email I got, uh, you know, from someone reading the site. And either okay. way, I'm grateful. So I always want to put it out there and maybe open up the discussion on the podcast. Tiago Matos. I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I apologize if I did not. Uh, but uh, Tiago writes. Uh, hi, I've read a couple of comics reviews and I liked what I read, but I definitely think it would be an improvement if you added grades. The review just becomes uh. clearer and the reader is able to compare the reviewed books. I'd love you to include it. Thank you. Thanks and keep up your good work. We've, we've, we've discussed this before. Well, it's originally been... when Michael Goodson and I started Fanboy Planet 13, 14, year, 14 years ago, good Lord, 14 years ago. Um, Back when you were a downy-chinned lad. 
I'm still a downy chin lad. Now it's, you know, sideburns to hopefully pretend people confuse me with a fattened David Tennant. <laughs> um, that uh, we did have a five planet, four planet system. We did have a rating system, and it I used, sound cool. And I and I rated, and we had ratings uh, and the visuals for were they them. in like orbits around. Uh, they the were little planets with the sun, with the the ring, you know. Oh, yeah. And then you go one planet, two planet, three. We had half planets, zero planet. We had the images for all of it. Um, but what I found was that one, as I went back to teaching writing to people, it's like, well, you should be able to. My feeling was, and people can disagree right. with me now, is. It should be clear from the review how I feel. Yes. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm telling you how you should feel about the book. Um, but it, what it really came out well, was movies because there would be a, a movie what, like Roger Ebert famously hated the thumbs up, thumbs down because people would complain that he would have a thumbs up right. to something that people thought was really stupid versus something really – and it's like how do you compare like right. the difference between you know, a really funny comedy like say – not that I reviewed it, but Step Brothers, in which that comes to mind as a movie that I cannot in good conscience recommend to people, but I laugh my butt off all the way through that's it. That's the one with Schwarzenegger and... Uh, no, 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 that's Twins. Oh, that's Twins. Step Brothers is the one with Will Ferrell right, and right. John C. Riley. Yeah. And it's like, and I can't say that's a good movie, but I enjoyed it. So how do you rate that? And then you compare it to what would, what would happen is I'd have a four-planet four for something that... Um, was really stupid, but it just hit me really well. And four planet for something, or and three planet for something that was really well intentioned, but I didn't think was as good. It's also it's also difficult because there are so many different people who review for the planet. Well, we hope you know, and that, well, there are. I mean, I mean, and you'd have to have like editorial re- to keep them consistent across it. Well, you know, and, and I, it's not, I, and everybody has the right to make their judgment. Exactly. I just think that I just think that one of the things with Fanboy Planet is. An attempt. I may fall short, but um, that everybody. Uh, one of the reasons we don't post as often is because it is. I do. He- I, and I'm not heavy-handed editing, but making sure that the writing is up to a standard, um, and maybe up to a standard better than honestly a lot of other sites that are more popular because they've got. 20 things going on in a day, you know, right. um, not to, not to, not to, to rip because there are great sites out there like comics bulletin. My friend Jason runs that, uh, Jason Sachs. That's a fantastic website. I wish I had his resources and his time. Uh, actually he doesn't have the time either, but he has a better system and you know, we're looking for that. I just don't feel like we could. But I think it, you hit it though, because I think all the reviews, even with the editing and such are personal reviews. That people bring something of themselves to it, and you right. can kind of identify with what they say about how they how it moved them or what their background was in going right, into it. It's, right. That's important, right? And I, you know, I yeah. So I mean, that's the thing is, I I, I take the I, I take Tiago's uh, criticism uh, and you know um, to heart, and I think about that and go, yeah, it's just it's just hard. So. I mean, people write in, let me know. I mean, it's an interesting thing to discuss and decide. Maybe it's time to come back. I just, to, to bring it back, I certainly have the capability of putting those symbols back. It'd be interesting to know how people would use it. Would they, you know. Yeah, I would, mean. Would they actually go or not go to a movie based on a quick review of the or, number? Well, and and Tiago was reading about comics reviews. Like, so I guess, you know, like last week, I think one of the things that would stick out for me was really would have been really hard to rate was Harley Quinn number zero. Yeah, that was a weird did one. You, did you read it? Oh, yeah. And so, okay, let's talk about, since we missed last week, the two books that I reviewed on the site. Yep. Um, uh, the <laughs> Scooby-Doo team-up. I did not read that one. 
It was fun. It was a great kids book. It did not get bogged down into wink, wink, wink. There used to be these new Scooby-Doo movies, right. but they acknowledged it. Right. They mixed the Alex Toth style with the Bruce Timm style with the regular Hanna-Barbera style, and it all was seamless, and it was a fun story. And if you were a kid that loved Scooby-Doo and you loved Batman and boom, and it's, just, it's a Batman appropriate for children, not a beware of the Batman. It's just Batman. It's right. the Uncle Batman. You right. could imagine Adam West voicing it but taking it seriously. I love that book. Okay. And Sholly Fish, let me call him out. Sholly Fish is the writer that did a great job melding all those styles. And I'm because I'm, he's been working in kids' comics for DC for a while. I know it's gotta, I know it's not contributing to the argument, but while you're on Uncle Batman, yes, I want to get back to Batman '66 from last week. I haven't read it yet, but gladly, gladly, okay. um, because I'm loving Batman '66. Okay. Jeff Parker's he was born to write that book. And, and the Alred covers are great. And anybody who wants to can buy me Batman 66 action figures for Christmas, please. Um, you know, anyway, that's just a side note. You already bought one. the Batusi one, right? I have the Batusi one. Because that's really on got... a Black Friday sale through... Uh, oh, is it? Through I think it's... Is that a Mattel figure? Yeah, it was a Mattel figure. It's on their Black Friday. So they must have had some left over. But, yeah. You know, it was the only one I have. But, uh, but Harley Quinn. But Harley Quinn number zero was such... A weird book, like really great talent behind it. Yeah, really great talent. I mean, and and and, and I mean that sincerely. Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, they're great writers. Those pages are wonderful. They're great, and she's a great artist, and and I think he's a great writer. I just don't think that that book. If I was not a Harley Quinn fan, and okay, and I'm even overstating it. I know some things about Harley Quinn. I mean, I've read stories with her in it. I'm not. She's not a character where I go, all right, Harley Quinn. Yeah. But I enjoyed her previous solo book. I did not get as worked up about the redesign in New 52 as some people did. You mean just the sexuality of it? The the oversexing her, the making yeah. her more Arkham. I mean, because Arkham made it. I mean, she's, you know, to our shame as fanboys. There were people going, yeah, look at Harley Quinn jiggle when you played Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I want to get beat up by her. Uh, well, yeah, but that's a different issue. Um <laughs> Maybe that's issue number two. Uh, so issue number zero was like this cute, like what if other characters and she's kind and they found a way in her psychosis to break the fourth wall without yes. without breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. But that issue didn't tell us anything about what the series is going. It, I mean, it actually, did, I think it did. In yeah. the last page, it set up. But if you weren't a fan, this was not a jumping on point. Yeah, this was this was really a. An entry for people who had already read the prior stuff and seen like the Paul Dini stuff and, yeah, and yeah. all all the all the previous incarnations and explaining that they are going in a new a new manner and that was what it, it was kind of like an homage to all the stuff that's gone before right and, and but then, it was it was a little self conscious and it was uh, and then there was the infamous contest page right and then by the way the winner of the contest has has actually been working for DC as an artist for several years. Oh, that's good. So it was all, you know, it it it, it all smacks of being a faked up controversy. Yeah. And I feel badly because one I read Jimmy Palmiotti's defense, we talked about it on the podcast and said, yep. you know, and then they changed the page. So I was like, well, so even if you say this and you were able to change that page and completely And they even mentioned the page in the book. And it didn't affect the storytelling no, at no. all. Tells me how can you affect that storytelling though? Because it was just it like it was totally just, fragmented. It, it was, just it was a mess. so. Yeah. So I mean, I don't regret having bought it. But if I was somebody that was approaching, well, I've heard about the controversy, and you right. picked up Harley Quinn, you'd go, 
It's the stupidest damn book I've read. Yeah. I think they, they, their one excuse is that it was a zero issue, right? Yeah, so but, it's I not, don't th- but I don't think that the average reader understands uses that as an excuse. Right. And I don't either. I, a zero issue to me is that should be a jumping on point. That should be a place where I'm able to get into it for whatever reason. When, when DC first started zero issues yeah. with year zero uh, or zero hour, I mean, that was the event. It was right, right zero hour. And it was, you know, Starman number zero was the first one I picked up. And, you know, those zero issues were about, this is the ground floor. Yeah. Get in now. This is the introductory to so the character. So if you give me a zero issue, it is meant to be something where I get to step in. And I think this one was kind of that because they because she has been portrayed in so many different ways because of I think it was a recognition that she has been just a fragmented But that is a but that is a meta observation on your part. I right. agree I agree with you, but that doesn't work for somebody who doesn't know that's the issue with I her. I I agree. So, uh, yeah. you know, but how do I Rate that where say as someone who does know the character, I appreciate that book. Yeah, but I also have to say, if you do not know the character, wait for number one. It's a disturbing character, though. I mean, when you think about, she's a murderess. She she kills like like the well, Joker and does, she's, and she's a poster child for the abused woman. Right. And so, to me, when it was done on the cartoon, and it was the early '90s, it was cute. Mm-hmm. And maybe that speaks to our own ignorance or whatever, but now it's hard to say yeah. that that's a character who, like as much as I love him, you know, Captain Marvel slash Shazam, maybe they're characters of a time that should just be left because the attempts to update, the attempts to justify right. who they are, you're doing these contortions that are we're going to show you what she'd really be like in, in the real world. In some ways, are making way. it worse and worse. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't help me to go. Well, she's a murderess, and it doesn't make it better that that the Joker abuses her so horribly. Yeah, you know, and she doesn't deserve it. She's insane, and those and throwing up those characters that aren't fun, insane like the Badger. There's a superhero that hasn't worked in a while. Um, who was insane, but he didn't hurt people. You know, I mean, yeah. he was still his insanity was he tried to be a superhero. And the Badger really was kind of like an ensemble cast thing. Yeah, too. it was so a different kind of book a different too. Kind of book. But my God, that was a good book. I wish that would come back. Batman sixty six last okay, issue. Last issue. Uh, you haven't read it yet. No, but you can go ahead and talk. Well, uh, I'm not going to say anything more than the cover. The cover sh- is an Alred cover, and it shows this character in the corner. They call the Sandman. Because there was a Sandman on the show, but it was—it's well, not the—it's not Dream. <laughs> I'm like going, are they going to do something where they're going to cross Dream? No, no, into but this there was book? a villain. There was a villain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, Michael they, Rennie. They went back to in the in the story pages when you're not now read. He looks entirely different. He looks like a, a vic, uh, like a. Uh, uh, it was Michael Rennie? Yeah. So because they've done a great job within the pages of making them look like. The actors who played them. But I picked it up for that, and I also picked it up because this is the one that introduced Batgirl. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, I so she's get, got a backup story. In, I will get to that, that stack. That's awesome. Um, that was issue number five, I think. Yeah, so you know, a good book. Anyway, back to there. So let's go to comics of this week and so forth. Last weekend was the Long Beach Comic Con, so yep. I just want to acknowledge having gone down there. Uh, went down... 
fifth year running. This is the Long Beach Comic and Horror Convention. I did not see nearly as much horror, although I think the thing is that there are so many horror comics that it's now become, you know, it's blended yeah. to me um, that I'm not seeing a difference. But I want to say right now on the podcast, <clears throat> uh, though I suffered mightily as my radiator blew up yet again uh, on the way back up, uh, I'm going to say this now so that when it comes back in the podcast a few weeks later, I'm very excited because I found, I have never been more excited to have found a Christmas gift for you. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Which, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my percentages on this. Here we go. First of all. Do I need to take my headphones no, off? No, 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 you don't. No, no, no. I'm 99%, because as always, i got to leave a little room open. I'm 99% positive you do not have this. Okay. 98% positive you do not even know of its existence. Okay. And 100% positive you're going to absolutely love it. So, all right. So I've never been more excited to go to a convention... I did a lot of Christmas shopping and and find this thing that just went, it screamed at me that I had to get it for you. Uh, so Debbie can never listen to this podcast. You're beating her percentages on all three. <laughs> this is magnificent. <laughs> well, now I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, great. See, I'm just saying. So that you know, later. In fact, in fact, when I was driving back up Sunday before my car <laughs> exploded, was that going... I'm just going to have to give it to Rick at the podcast because I can't. I'm so excited about this. And then it was like, and then other things, you know, took precedence. And I went, uh, okay, I get it. But, but that was the fun for me was that attending. Now, like when I go to go to Big Wow, which is probably it's a little bit smaller than Long Beach. Okay. Um, Big Wow, I, I've taken my son the last couple of years. So we haven't I, gotten numbers on attendance for Big no, Wow. No, no, I don't think we have. It's gotten bigger over it the years. It has gotten bigger, but uh, and somebody told me that and Long the costuming is blowing up there too. No, and the costuming was, was very big at Long Beach too, because a lot a lot of creators and a lot of cosplayers are down in that area, so it's another excuse to show yeah. up, I guess. Um, and the five hundred first was very big there; it had a big display up. But um, and someone told me, and then they could have been wrong. That the attendance was about four thousand. So, uh, at, Long, at, at Long Beach, healthy. But what it reminded me of was like going to Baycon. Yeah. But n- still not necessarily being that fan driven. It was still Baycon very, doesn't come near to four thousand. But that, that was the feel. And why like I would the say vibe, that is, mean. is that the is that the panel I attended uh, was like going to a panel at Baycon, okay. the size of the or or maybe. <laughs> The panels that we have been on at Bacon, where nobody comes, um, that I attended one on, on the 20th anniversary of the Ultraverse, which is one of my great tragic stories of the 90s, um, because I loved most of those books. Right. And um, so uh, it was, you know, maybe 20 people. Wasn't there a character the named Ultra? Uh, that's a DC character. Their big one was Prime. Prime, that's it. Prime, yeah. hard case. Right, right, right. The editor-in-chief was there, and he was giving out the holographic first issues of Hard Case, The Exiles, um, Mantra, and Cameron show. I picked up all four. Wow. Uh, because, that's like a pocket universe in my memory. Because I probably had them, had them all yeah. anyway, but I was like, oh, no, I'm just going to you know pick them up again. Why not? And we talked a while, and it was uh, Dave Oberg is his name. Really great guy. It was an interesting panel to attend. Overall, walking around, 
uh, seeing a lot of great a, a lot of great things, a lot of cosplay. Uh, Comic Vine was there doing a doing video shoots on a stage at one end, so that was an interesting thing. Um, cool. You know, to look at. Hmm, I wonder if 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 we had our crap together and Lon wanted to, you know, that like at Big Wow we could do something like that. You know, get a stage. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it was yeah. an, it was an interesting feel overall. A uh, good show, and I picked up a couple of books out of that. So you've got your books of the week. I do, and really, mostly, I will just talk about a couple of things that I found at. Um, and there's still more that I need to follow up on, but these are the ones that I got hard copies of, and then I said, late, "said I'll email you," because I know now that really, when it's a small press, taking an issue, yeah, um, when. They're probably that's their life savings. But it's is, nice when they have a PDF for you. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's, what, I so that's I said, what I'd rather take. So I said when I got back, and I've just been as it's, it's been a wild week for me. I've not had a chance to follow up with other creators and email them and say, let me you know take a look at the PDFs. Right. Um, but these are books I bought, and uh, or actually no, this guy did give this to me. Um, this is Brew House Comics. Uh, out of North Hollywood, uh, Josh S. Henneman okay. was a man with a dream, and his dream was to drink beer and to make comics. And I love this. I wish I could have, I wish I could simplify Set on my... on his business card? No, but I wish I could simplify yeah. my dreams down to this. And this is actually not, a, and he's up to his fifth issue. He said, uh, there are 23 stores in the United States carrying this. Um, and he's up to his, so Bigfoot, Sword of the Earth Man, and it's a... Like a post-apocalyptic, um, and I think it's funny that his shortcut is in the first issue. The first page looks like Wally. It does. Is, is, uh, it you does. Know, it's this way. It's his way to symbolize, symbolize that the Earth is that humans have long gone. Right. But Bigfoot is still here, and so uh, these alien alien empire is trying to get the last, I guess, uh, resources out of out of the earth and there's uh-huh. the alien races at war with each other as rebels and in the middle of it is this Bigfoot with a sword. And uh, so it's like kind of a hairy Conan. A, a post apocalyptic Conan. And uh, it was uh, the arts in some places a little crude, but uh, but I'm trying it reminds me of another book. I'm trying to think what it is. It's it's the style and it's also the the kind of crude main character well, this artist uh, Andy Taylor um, and I really I, I really like it. It, it it feels like it feels like a heavy metal bo- uh, a bo- story yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and even because it's just like next issue soldiers at the heart of the sun you know I mean it's got that kind it's of like Hawkwind story <laughs> there you go so I I thought I thought it was fun like I read you know I took it out, I took it back to my hotel read it and went yeah this is a fun book and he was a really nice guy and he's also like really into brew into brewing home so what's brewing. what's the publisher again does he have a brew website house, he does so he has a Facebook page so it's brew as in because brew. he wants to drink beer brew b r e w house brew house comics you can find it at www.bigfootcomic.com. oh that's cool and also facebook.com slash Bigfoot Sword of the Earth Man. So you can find him there. I can't believe that wasn't taken. I, <laughs> it seems so obvious now. It seems so obvious. It? I was, but I love finding something <laughs> like this where not only is the creator so earnest about it, you know, and just down, down no puns intended here, down to earth, but so into comics. Yep. Um, that's when I feel like, yeah, I've met somebody who's like one of us, you know, and I and I and that guy. 
I want to support. It's, and so I want to throw that out there. Check it out. It is nice when you meet a, a truly joyful person who is doing comics instead yeah. of the guys that are kind of like, you know, they look sad and desperate. And you really don't want to, you don't want to lock eye contact with them because they're kind of like, you know, I did this book because I have artistic skill, but I have no storytelling skill, and you can tell that from the first two pages. There's and, a couple, yeah, yeah, yeah. I try not to make eye contact, yeah, uh, I, and I hate to say that, but it's true. But I did. There's no one I have to follow up with, and I and I can't. But it's it's. But if there are any of those guys listening, what you have to do is you have to look like you're having fun doing it. Yeah, you have to be there. You know, I the ones that I, at Ape, for example, the guys that dress up. And, and they're standing behind their booth and are, are being vigorous and stuff, I will talk to those guys. Are you listening, Ben Costa? The ones because, that, really. <laughs> no, well, Ben's, Ben is super talented. But, I know. I'm just keep teasing because but, if Nate, if Nate were is, online. Ben if, is not one of the guys that is sitting back behind with his arms crossed looking like I hate the world. No, and I want to say this, though. At Long Beach, everybody seemed very enthusiastic. Good. There's a lot of great people, um, a lot of great vendors. I, and I, I picked up a beautiful gift from my daughter. Uh, you know, and, and that's the other thing. Like, if you've seen the meme uh, this week on Facebook going around about the cartoon about Marvel, about fans going to to Marvel movies, and it's a comic strip going uh, horizontal, uh, vertical rather, of like the panels like like before the movie. And it's the Marvel fan with the person who's not a comic book fan. Yeah. And the conversation that happens between them. And then, you know, finally, like, the Stan Lee cameo at the end. And they're like, you know, that's Stan Lee. That's Stan Lee. And the guy's going, yeah, I know. It's always very, very overt. Uh, but but what I loved about that strip was that they portrayed the Marvel fan as the woman. Ah, and good. so it was, you know, which is really good. the reality is. And the and the conventions, I you know, when, and I mean, because I still run into people saying, making the same Stereotypes, and as much as I gotta I loved, say, it, I love. I'm gonna call out Sam Bowers for this because I was on Jokes the Week a couple weeks ago, and he made these. He, you know, introduced me with these jokes, these these nerd cut downs. You say this so fast. It's Sam Bowers' Jokes of the Weeks. Week, which is a video that people should be seeking out on YouTube He's a and funny watch. Guy, but he very inter- funny guy. But he introduced me with. These two, like, you know, he said, I'm going to ask him hard-hitting questions, like, when does he plan to lose his virginity? And, <laughs> and I'm like, but those are such old yeah. stereotypes. And the reality is, you know, they've done studies. And sorry, i, I got to tell you this, guys. Nerds are getting more action than the yeah. rest of the population because they don't have the hang-ups. That's true. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a, true. I, I mean, I'm not saying that for me because I've still got my Catholic upbringing. But, uh, but I, there are a lot more nerd girls out there now. Yeah, but it was just reality. It's just the population. I'm just yeah. having this conversation with a couple of producers. It's like, look, it's everywhere. So, um, so I found some really cool stuff for you know for my kids, and it was a great convention. There's a one day comics fest, but the thing is also it was a great convention with with some high profile people. Mark Wade was there, Len Wein was there. So I talked to Len Wein for a while, discovering that we have more in common. Is like, so Len Wein's daughter. And her boyfriend were there running his table with him, which was just a table where he had like a, he would do a sketch, a sketch of Batman. Len is not an artist. I mean, but he could draw a Batman head like for 10 bucks and autograph it. Yeah. You know, and do his autograph. Um, but his daughter was dressed as Rose and her boyfriend was dressed as, as David Tennant. 
And so they had all gone. They had to, apparently had to stop the the convention, or or had to take the largest room in the convention <laughs> to show. and show the simulcast. While there were a bunch of people, like I seriously, I walked by this one booth, and where I bought something for my daughter, and the woman stopped and she looked. She said, "Didn't I just see you in Huntington Beach?" And at the screening of, of of Day of the Doctor, so which we'll come back to later in the podcast. But it yeah. was it was just. It was a day of feeling like him a moment, and to find out that you know it's like that it was so Len successful. Wien's talking about Disneyland, we were talking about Disneyland. We talked about Doctor Who. It was like we all have the same thing. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. I know it's not going to happen, but I would be very surprised if to find out that Disney, if Disney wasn't attempting to lure Doc, the Doctor Who franchise into the Disney fold. Because the fandom is so intermingled. Wow. That's I, an awesome idea. Well, apparently, if you go to the... What is Wouldn't it? you love to go to a theme park based on Doctor Who? Well, my son is already begging for that. <laughs> there's the Doctor Who experience in London. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I mean, I, you go to Disneyland, and I, I know I go far too often for someone who's going to say, I have no money, but it's like, I have an annual pass, so all that's really costing me is... Travel. gas to get down there, yeah. and then I park for free, and and I stay with friends. And um, you see so many Doctor Who t-shirts, yeah, and so much over there. But you go to Epcot, apparently, this is what I have heard now um, from sources, that the British Pavilion, the store, is almost all Doctor Who stuff because they know wow. they know where their bread is buttered, wow. if you will say. Where their crumpets are jellied, if you will. Where their tea I don't is poured. Think, I don't think that's the saying. <laughs> where their crumpets are jellied. Where their jammy dodges are. Um, I want to jump back to something you said earlier. Yes. I absolutely love the Stanley cameo in Thor. It was great. But can I have my shoe back? I, yeah. Oh, that was just that was awesome. And we'll get back to Thor. So the other th- book I picked up, because this these guys have been floating around Comic-Con. We haven't talked about Thor? We haven't talked about Thor. We did. We did talk about Thor. Okay, we're we going to get back to Thor. No, well, you just brought it up. And so okay. I was like, you know, okay. uh, if you wanted to go back, because Thor is huge. Yeah. Thor is huge. Yes. Uh, but the, the human fly. The that magazine movie, is huge. Five ninety nine, six bucks for this uh, black and white with a lot of the original artists. It's like 14 by 10. Bob Layton, Al Milgram, Don Perlin, Steve Lealoha. Um, do sto- wow. Do stories inside. They were all, at one point, artists on the original Marvel comic. And our friend Rafael Navarro did the cover. Great cover. So I have not had a chance to read this yet, but it's a revival of... The thing about the human fly, for those who don't know, uh, there was, there's both a Spider-Man villain, and then there was this guy who was a, a daredevil? What would you call that? An acrobat in, in real life. Yeah, he's um, an acrobat. He was a stunt, you know, one of those uh, stunt man, stunt man, but not not for not for movies. He was he was doing he'd do stunts in public. He would climb buildings. Yes, okay, and uh, and he had this costume, and Marvel created this backstory for him. And so the book originally was like the great, you know, the most amazing superhero of them all because he's real. He's real, yeah, I remember you know, that. and you have these photographs of this guy. And I don't really know too much of the backstory, but it was a fun. Um, it was kind of interesting because it was very clear. Even to me then, when they were writing this book, and I was not, you know, I was in junior high when that came out, and I was not as media savvy as I am now. 
it was very clear that they were creating a comic series that could easily be lifted into um, in fact probably was a lot of it was a lot of the setup was kind of lifted and put into uh, the fall guy you know the stunt team right uh, you know they travel around and they make sure that everything works but that this guy and I don't think the real one had but for the person of the comic like he'd been uh, he'd been in a horrible accident and so it was like they gave him a similar Wolverine thing where he's he has own, metal bones. and uh, This one's almost like Evil Knievel because he's got the half cape. And well, the, and that and was the, the time that the, he was there, which he was there, yeah. you know. That, that's very similar to because it was on the heels of Evil Knievel. Right. Uh, but now they're looking to revive this as a film as well, um, a film project. And let me see if I can find uh, the website. There's a Michael Oshunker was the guy I talked to, so... But I can't see a website. But I'm going to put it. I'm going to talk to the creator uh, or the main guy behind this book. And we're going to, you know, the great thing about going to a little small con with that is I is I hook up with a lot of people that I can follow up and do interesting stories with. Cool. And so we'll be talking to him a little later. But it was a, I I certainly don't mind having spent the money on this. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was kind of an interesting when when it, that because his real stuff was before all the reels too. So the idea that there was somebody yeah. out there actually doing. This stuff, which was... Well, uh, that was a dream of mine. You yeah. Know? Yeah, sure. And Spider-Man was in the first issue, and I think he met Ghost Rider in the second issue. And yeah. They just loaded up the guest stars, because uh, that's the way it was. So what about uh, what's out this week? Go ahead and... So this week, we've got a couple of events, uh, one one uh, closing and one starting up. Uh, the one that's closing, of course, is the Infinity. Oh, um, uh, yes. I got part six, 6 of 6 came out, and we've got... Uh, this has been this has been a really satisfying series for something that crossed over so many books. Even the ancillary ones have been good. I mean, we int- it basically introduced the Mighty Avengers, which is the new Luke Cage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Monica Rambeau, Luke Cage, uh, Spider Hero, Spider Man um, team. Um, no Spider Hero, he's not Spider Man. Well, no, Spider Man's in it too. Oh, did he join? Okay. Yeah, the, the Superior Spider-Man's in oh, it Oh, that's as right, well. he did, he did. Okay, yes. So, and then uh, what I'm going to show you right now is the cover for the new Avengers. And see if you think, can, does that remind you of anything? Oh, that's a Starlin, classic Starlin pose. Yeah, it's a, it's a pose from the end of, I think it was uh, the end of the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, Could be, I'd Thanos was that. basically turned to stone for a while. Oh, that's right. And this is this is the pose he was in, and it's. Uh, oh no, 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 no! He was turned to stone long before Infinity Gauntlet because he came back. Was it? It was it? Was it? Because he came back from stone in Death of Captain Marvel. He was the statue came to life. Okay, and, so it was the end of one of the Warlock uh, storylines. I think it was lines. the end of Warlock. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's it's him standing with his arms out grasping yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So. Um, I I don't I've think I got that one. Been enjoying the hell out of this this. Uh, this whole series, I, I bundle up like six I'm at just a time. I'm going to say it's going to make a hell of an omnibus, and I'm not necessarily yeah. in favor of omnibuses, but that one's going to work. It's 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 the Infinity storyline itself has been told almost in a Hal Foster uh, Prince Valiant style, almost moved back from the which from I'm the story grateful line. for. I've said all along, I've felt like even when I've missed a chapter, I don't feel like I've missed a chapter. I feel like I could. This is the first Marvel event in I don't know how long where I have felt like if I had just read Infinity, I still would have understood what was going right, on. Right, right. It's, it's almost like the Infinity book is the anchor. And I've been reading a lot of stuff out of order 
And it's, well, that's it's what I said. I did that experiment. Even yes. with that, even with that chart in the back of each issue as to what's coming next, it's not necessarily no. yeah, in yeah. order, especially yeah, yeah. with the ancillary stuff. Yeah. So you see some stuff that happens that you feel oh, I've seen the ramifications for this, but the stories are still good, and they're not they're not right, right, you're, you're not right. cheated out of they're the they're enriching. End. It's more yeah. like it's more like discu- it's more like getting a back piece of backstory. Yeah. That's not oh, Anakin Skywalker was a whiny little kid on Tatooine. Right. 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 We can entirely ignore that. Yes. So uh, this, of course, is going to lead into Inhumanity, which there are a couple of books out. This I've got the Avengers Assemble book. Um, I got the Indestructible Hulk. The Indestructible Hulk also is an Inhumanity book, and uh, I've uh, it's it struck me a lot like the White Event in the New Universe stuff, where all yeah. the powers got turned on at once. And we were talking about well, Invasion did the same thing. They yeah. had a meta bomb. Um, there was the blood pack, but that wasn't quite turned on all at once, but a lot of right. heroes came out of that, you know. But you, you end up with, with a lot of storylines where, oh, my powers came on all of a sudden and I incinerated my family or I blew yeah. up the building. I've already had one like that that happened during uh, in the Infinity. Um, but in humanity, uh, I'm not as excited about that. You? Um, I'm not excited about it, but I do understand. I, I, I'm going to go, once again, theoretically with... The way Marvel is so good at coordinating their books and positioning their books into a way that it's truly multimedia. The reality is, by contract, in the movies, they can't say mutant. Yeah. But they can say inhuman. inhuman. Right. So they've got to create something that allows for that, you know. So um, we'll undoubtedly have an inhuman team. Yeah. I, and I know they've been trying to develop beyond the. They've been trying to develop an Inhumans movie for some time, and yeah. so that's just a logical, a logical next step. Um, and that brought something else to my mind that's gone, uh, that is now gone away. But uh, yeah, uh, that that's why they that's why they did it, and we'll be talking a little bit more about some of this in the movie section. Um, so the next one I had was Nova 100. 100, which this is, even though it's the 10th issue of the latest incarnation, this is the 100th Nova issue uh-huh. since the original Richard Ryder story. And they have, a, they have gatefolds of all the 100 yeah. and issues. You, and you know we do have to have uh, Nova's got to be front and center because they will, the Nova Corps will be appearing in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's great. I, I'm loving this latest incarnation of Nova. Uh, and I don't. I typically do not like the teen superhero storylines. Yeah. Uh, especially the oh, mom. Mom told me I have to be in to do my homework, and I'd rather yeah. go out and fight fight crime. So tired of that. This mom is great. This, no, you've said and, that before. Yeah. So you know, Nova. Cool. Oh, I know what I was going to talk about with the uh, you know what was announced. And I got. I managed to get before I left <laughs> to go back down to Los Angeles yesterday. That Mark Wade and Chris Samney are going to be. After being announced that they were leaving Daredevil, will be coming back for Daredevil number one, a new Daredevil now for Marvel now in March. Excellent. Yes, and they're bringing Daredevil to San Francisco. Uh, so, which that's is that's kind of nice because it's going to bookend a nice run for a couple of, I mean, for some graphic novels. Yeah, and that's 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 nice and solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not the first time he's been in 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 San Francisco. He was there in the seventies, and so it's kind of a. Re- Turn, but they're not saying that, which is another thing that, you know, Marvel, if you're not going to reboot, and you're not, yeah, God love you, 
then acknowledge that past. Daredevil has a past there. I'm yeah. sure Mark Wade will. I'm not worried he about should, that. I, I read your definitive article on fanboyplanet.com on no. this. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry so that I'm, I've had to you know, and it brought back all crack the, memories, the whip on you. All the memories uh, of, of Daredevil and Natasha in San Francisco. I will now, I will now release the cuffs. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so my last book is, I think we talked about that this was coming out, but it's the, the re- uh, oh, I didn't see that. Re, um, it's not. It's not. It's like the remastered Max. It's so the Max maximized. Yeah, and Sam so Sam Keith's book from Image it, way back when. It's Sam Keith's amazingly psychotic, uh, wonderful. I I love this book, and I loved. I what, I had the action figure, and I had a bag of isses. And did you ever read the book? I did. Okay. I read all of it originally, and I even watched all the cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon, which was on, on uh, liquid liquid television TV, yeah. on uh, MTV. I think I have a VCR tape somewhere with those all recorded too. But this, what they've done is they've gone back through, they digitized all the art, they've cleaned it up, and they've recolored it. So it was a trip the first time around. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be fascinated to reread it I, at I, this point. In I my don't life. know that I'm going to buy them all, but I wanted to buy this one and give it a chance. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Well, let's say, so, you know, um, if you have a chance this weekend, why don't you uh, write that up? I'll try. I, I know. This weekend I'm going to Las Vegas. Oh, that's so. right. Never mind that. You're going to be busy. I'll have my kids. Uh, we'll see what's going on. Um, I still have to write up the um, DC mold you, 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 one million, you but do, you that's going to take a little while to read. There's a million books in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, one book that uh, I'm I I wish I had known about in time for our, our gift guide, but a thing at Long Beach that I was able to run into the, one of the artists, Alex C. Robinson, and just shake his hand and say, "My God, th- that was a beautiful book." Dark Horse released last week, The Fifth Beetle. Oh, I saw that. The hardcover graphic novel telling of Brian Epstein's yeah. life story. Uh, I got to say, that's the book of the year. Really? That is the book of the year. That wow. is the most beautiful. Uh, talk about taking... Because I think in my mind, biographical comics get a bad rap. Yeah. Because there are places like... I'm just going to go ahead and name check them. Blue Water... That do that, you know. They found their little niche, putting them out, but they're usually like pieces of crap. Just the, you know. Yeah, yeah. All oh, the blue water stuff is, is, yeah. It's really limp. It's it, really and and so I'm always a little, eh, eh. But this book and what I got was a PDF, so that's why I say I'm still recommending the book and still hoping that it's not, it's fifty bucks. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat this, you know. I, I, I'm not in a position right now to to buy that, but I'm hoping. That someday I will because it, it belongs on a shelf, treated lovingly, and it's just the art is amazing. It's it feels like because it's set in the sixties, it feels like Mad the best of Mad Magazine, like Kurtzman and Jack Davis Davis and maybe a little Mort Drucker all thrown in together, but 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 so much tighter than those guys allowed because it's not lampooning. Yeah. It's instead Brian Epstein is this guy. It's funny you mention all three of those guys. And I can I can remember all three of those guys drawing Beatles in Mad Magazine. Right, right, right. and that's why it reminded me because yeah. the Beatles look like that. And I, so I talked to the yeah. artist Alex e. Robinson, and I said, "That's what I felt." It's like you because he said, "Well, I didn't want to do a photorealistic because I was like, somehow, what if I got the got it wrong if yeah. I did this?" And I said, "No, because the thing is, it plays into the way it's written by uh, Vivek J. Tiwari, I think is his name." Is who's 
studied intensively, like, you know, researched. And he, and I don't know why he chose a graphic novel over just a nonfiction book, yeah. but I'm glad he did, is that Brian Epstein is this man who, from the second he saw the Beatles, recognized their mythical potential. Mm-hmm. And so what we see is always the myth. The Mad Magazine versions right. are the myth. They look like the slightly like the animated series version from the 60s. It gets a little trippy out there. Brian Epstein is almost always very realistic in the midst of things, but it's not a straightforward narrative. It's like it is it's almost being told like John Lennon would tell it. You know, I mean, it is, it is what it felt like that like there's a moment where Epstein is negotiating with Ed Sullivan for the appearance and Ed Sullivan's negotiating through a ventriloquism dummy. So it's like a, you know, that's not. I think I've seen that frame, you know, and it's it's not that 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 happened. Yeah, but that must have been what it felt like. Yeah, you know, and, and so it's always, and so the emotion gets carried through so well and so beautifully by the art and the and the, the scripting that it was just. Well, that's I, what you want. I mean, a, a good graphic story yeah. will evoke things you can't capture with a camera. Right. Right. So I guess, and what I felt was that if the Magical Mystery Tour had been good, <laughs> this would be <laughs> this it. Would be it. Oh, yeah. You know, but you also never get away from the utter tragedy of Epstein's life. Yeah. And there were things I did not know, and I thought I, thought I knew a lot about the Beatles, and there were the cool things that made my Zorlak head, like, go, I don't even know if, you know, that there were appropriate connections. And I'll draw this one thing is, I did not know. I knew that the first, because every Beatles fan knows this, right? That the first label to carry be- the Beatles was not Capital; it was actually Parlophone. But what I didn't know, and George Martin had been the one who accepted them, but that's why he was on Parlophone. But Parlophone was the comedy record label with Spike Milligan and the oh, Goon really? Show, and wow. so the Beatles were the only straight straight act on there. But here, but here's the thing: is John Lennon effing worshipped. Spike Milligan. So there's this apropos, and then there's this thing that they've done this track back, you know, in um, I'm the Walrus, when they're like, oopa, oopa, everybody, do, whatever yeah, they're yeah, yeah. saying in the background, is that Dr. Demento had tracked it down to a Spike Milligan record from the early 50s. Wow. That, you know, and so I'm like, that connection isn't necessarily made in the graphic novel, but I suddenly made that connection. Go, that's, and, that, and then I think that's more about the myth. Well, you've seen the videos of Milligan. Shooting, they've shot videos of the of the Milligan uh, orchestra doing the songs. No, that's Spike Jones. Spike Jones, pardon me. No, Spike, Spike Milligan's Spike different. Right, the uh, Goon Show. The Goon Show. So uh, yes. So the British comedian who then was with them in when they did the uh, Midsummer Night's Dream special, uh, Pop Goes the Beatles. I think it was on on BBC and the and the Beatles do the uh, damn. I was getting a whole bunch of musical inferences and, from that and too. Totally and it's wrong. all wrong. Totally wrong. Right. Sorry. Yeah, um, I went to the wrong spike. I will still give you that Christmas present. It's that good. <laughs> um, so uh, I know, but I used to confuse Spike Jones and Spike Milligan yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. as a kid, especially because Doctor they Mendo both would use play special them effects and and and, yeah. and Doctor Mendo would play them play them both. But it was just. Sound effects, uh, you know, and Spike Spike Milligan was the guy who he's the king in um, Princess Bride. So most modern people, that's what they know him from. But he was quite a subversive comedian in, in, in England in the fifties, right. and so appropriate for John, you know. And it just that's just a little thing where my mind went. And I was like, and it, it was just sparking so much. So I can't stress enough. And then I checked with some sources, and they're trying to develop this into a feature film. 
and it will be it will if they do it right, it'll be a mind blow, blowing, wonderful. You know, I'm sure you got to do all kinds of negotiating with Apple, but are they uh, going to do it live action or? I don't know. I animated? don't know. I don't know. Sounds like animated. I don't know, but it's a beautiful. I mean, it could be no. It could be done. It could be done like t- you put Terry someone with a Terry Gilliam Terry sensibility. Gill- wow. On this, it would it would it would work beautifully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you got to negotiate with with the Apple Corps. Right, right. And, and so, Yoko. That's she's still the Apple Corps. That's the only thing they all agree on. Yeah. <laughs> she's got just as much as a share as as Paul and Ringo do. Um, I don't know who controls George's share. Uh, if it's his widow or if it's his son, son, um, yeah, Donnie. Um, so anyway, uh, that is my pick of the year as a graphic. Really, novel. I've got to look it, this it up. It's just it, it was gorgeous. And they came out this week. Or? They came out last week, last and week. it's from an and, and Dark Horse has started this imprint called M Books. So I I don't know if that's so that it will be given a little more weight in bookstores. So you got this in Long Beach. No, no, no. I got it. Uh, I, they sent me you the PDF. Oh, okay, cool. They sent me the PDF, and then I and then the the artist was at Long Beach, and so it was more just a moment of I have nothing to say to you except gush for five minutes about how yeah. you know I, I don't think I said anything coherent as I was just saying I love this book so much. <laughs> I really want. Thank you, sir. Yes, because I, I hope you do well. But I mean, it's been getting coverage on CNN and all kinds of because no, I'm pretty sure I've seen the frame of the of, of Ed Sullivan and and. Then you need yeah. you just need to pick. I up need to pick it up. You need to pick up this book. You'll you'll yep. you'll absolutely love it. We did have a loss this week, and I and I, and this is an historically significant artist, even though most people don't know the name. Uh, Al Plastino uh, died. I, I passed away, I believe, two nights ago, um, at the age of ninety three. Most significantly, a, a longtime workhorse for DC. Most significant because he was responsible for the appearance of Supergirl. He created, um, designed. I mean, I don't think he was the creator. You know, the idea was around, and I'm sure that there was a lot of writers and Julius Schwartz saying, "We're going to do this," or not, uh, or Mort, uh, uh, who was in charge of the of the Superman books, Mort um, Weisenberg. Yeah, Mort Weisenberg. Weisenberger. I think oh. so. So somebody else is screaming that while listening to this podcast. But Al Plastino was the first one to draw Supergirl and to des- to give her the basic design that lasted. Yeah, for a couple of decades before they decided to tartar up. Kind of a schoolgirl uh, outfit, you know. Really, a long worked. Yeah, uh, for the character, I, and I'm never happy with her since. I mean, like every every outfit they get. The only the only outfit that I sounds so horribly judgmental of me, you know, to say this, but but the only outfit where even though it shows a lot, doesn't feel like what a whore um, is. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't even say that, uh, but but is the the animated series one the white t shirt and right and I right, don't right. really want to say it's like a belly shirt too and I yeah and I I'm sorry I don't want to say what a horror it just feels like it's too it feels too much like she couldn't go to school dressed like that yeah it, it feels too much like boy fantasy yeah it's not a great role model but the well and she doesn't have to be a role model but it but like when they've said that Lois helped pick it there's no way Lois would have helped pick these yeah. uniforms but the white belly shirt that feels like ooh she's just pushing it a little bit yeah but she was still you know and and so it, that was that was believable teen to me i think it's yeah. important when you have so few especially during that period we have so few female characters yeah. in it that they do think about them as a role model that they do think about the the effect you know, that they're going to have on, well, on young women. You, you know, there's this now. This it's going to be growing more and more infamous interview with Alan Moore that appeared last week, and 
and people are getting outraged because he because the headline was that we are you know superhero fans are like emotionally stunted people, and of course in typical um, Alan Moore fashion, he managed to omit all of his hypocrisies, and um, and of course because only Fanboy Planet actually bothers with journalism, uh, it, it, you know they took it. At face value, like right. I haven't read a superhero comic since I wrote Watchmen. Uh, what about Tom Strong? Yeah. What about uh, Supreme? That run of Supreme he did in Glory and all this, you know, yeah. which actually Rob Liefeld. Posts. He never read those. Yeah, well, probably not. <laughs> <He just wrote. laughs> yeah, but his actual point is that it is that he feels that, and, and I can't disagree with him on this, is that he feels that superheroes which were intended to almost in some way be morally inspirational to children from the ages of 7 to 12, give them hope, have been so co-opted by the big studios and the fantasies that that you know it's all being aimed at people in our 40s. Which, you know what's absolutely tragic about that statement? The, the female characters in Tom Strong were just awesome. They were wonderful. They were not stereotypes. They were not no, sensationalized. Saying, if you look, and they were female. If I mean, you look, there are plenty of there are plenty of great books for kids. But I can't disagree with Alan Moore's point that I still feel like I can. Sh- I will show my child, my son, the Iron Man movies, and yet there were parts of the Iron Man movies that I still have. We got to talk about this. Yeah. Same thing with Man of Steel. It's like whereas if it was really truly aimed in a way. Uh, if there were any books that were truly aimed that were not pablum or cutesy, I mean, which, you know, my son loves, like, Tiny Titans was fun. He got it was meant to be funny and Teen right. Titans Go. Right. But that you can't actually show him the book called Teen Titans without having to explain or have a discussion about what's going on with this. Redacted. You know, Redacted. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, that, that is a point. Yeah. Um, and, and so, exactly, when you say that, you know, I'm starting to get the point when people were upset that Oracle walked again as Batgirl. But on the other hand, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, is an absolutely kick-ass role model no matter what. Yes. But I do understand when there are so few characters for someone you know, to look up to, when, you know, and the reality is people do. And, and it's like, yeah, I, I want to show, you know, like I, as I look for literature for my daughter, she's going to read what she's going to read. But if I'm going to choose something for her, I don't want to choose something that she's like, what kind of message is dad sending? Right, you know, right, right. What's he saying is okay. Dad, it's like, this is a little creepy. No, all I want is to say, you can be a strong young woman. That's all yes. I care about. Yes. You stand up for yourself. You're not going to be an Ophelia. Think. You know, yeah. You're not, you know, you, you think for yourself. And I want to find books that do that. Yeah. And she liked that about when she was a little girl watching the animated series. Mm-hmm. Supergirl was that, you know. And it's like, and... and it, she was well in the animated series. She was well scripted and, and yeah. well, yeah. well motivated. And every time I've re- read a Supergirl since, as they floundered for an explanation oh, for God, her, the, the and fifth- now, and I got to say, we didn't talk about this Forever Evil with the new Cyborg Superman. Yeah, that it's his uncle. Did you did you catch that? No, not yet. I'm oh. a little behind on Forever Evil. I'm sorry. Well, it's okay. the, the 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 Cyborg Superman zero, the issue the, right. It's 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 Zorel. Okay. Zorel's been reprogrammed by Brainiac to be the cyborg Superman. 
And so it's no longer any of the old story. Now it's his uncle out to kill him. So it's Supergirl's father. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell? Well, I didn't like what they did with Supergirl in the 52. And I haven't liked that. No, but I haven't liked that either. I mean, just the idea that she's like... She's more vicious and more violent, and she she never had the baby I, upbringing that he I, did. I like the idea. The, the one element that has crept in in the last 10 years, and Smallville sort of started it, I think, Yeah, that she was intended, that she was launched first. Right. And frozen. Right. That she thought she was going to come to Earth and raise her baby cousin. Yes. That's an interesting little character yes. dynamic. Yes. But then and a healthy character. Yeah, and then it's still there, but it's secondary to she's a snotty teen and she right. doesn't have human in- bull. Uh, you know, she's it's- more powerful than Superman because she doesn't hold back. <sighs> okay, uh, yeah. All right, so let's move to um, let ah Brian K. Shimada got your t- got your Twitter, your fanboy, your Facebook page. Uh, oh, he question. figured the question out. I believe I, I figured it out. So, as be, well. to announce the fact that we we're recording tonight, I put a Ralph McQuarrie drawing up with the Facebook announcement, and I guessed it right too. So let me, th- but I didn't say it because I didn't want to. Uh, so I sat, asked, "What was wrong with the picture?" Luke has both of his hands. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Which so. is which is entirely reasonable because they use those to kind of like yeah. set set the art style, and they didn't want to give away a plot. Point, but Luke also looks like he's like he's wearing a Tron suit. But he this, does, uh, but, but uh, he does in all of McQuarrie's stories. It's true articles. Uh, so anyway, I do want to I want to move to movies because we we'll talk about role models. Uh, this Good week, job, Brian. Yeah, uh, I love that, that that actually came in live on my phone, Excellent. like in Twitter boop, boop, uh, or the fam- uh, the Facebook page uh, pages thing app tells me that. Um, Again, because I had ridiculous car trouble and have been up and down the state this so week. So if you haven't if you haven't liked the Fanboy Pan- Planet uh, Facebook, Facebook page, page yet, go there because we do this kind of spontaneous junk all the time. And actually, Lon gave me some ideas uh, to do some things with that to link back and forth more tightly with the Facebook page, cool. uh, the Fanboy Planet page. Um, I haven't had a chance to write my review of Frozen, but I got to see it last oh, week. Oh, nice! And so I, I, I wanted just to- in time for the Disney Infinity characters to come out. They came out today. They look beautiful. Yeah. Um, although, again, now I have two sets of the discs because I bought this that Target thing that had the two discs that come with the frozen. You know, right, I, right. Uh, anyway, um, there will be no more of that. I'm, I'm strictly cash only from here on out. Anyway, uh, Frozen. Uh, one, I'm going to say I highly recommend you see it in 3D. Oh. Partially because I, I, it's an amazingly lush film. There might be some story problems that people have disagreements with, but technically this is the most assured and accomplished. There are moments in this movie that I was convinced that the characters I I was watching were people wearing prosthetics to look like Disney characters. Wow. The motion was so fluid, the movements were so real, and the depth, the field of vision on this in the 3D was so perfect that I thought I was watching just a fantastic... A beautifully shot film. So the one thing that they're not doing a great job in advertising this is this is a retelling of the Ice Queen, the Snow Queen. myth, no, no, the no. Snow Queen. It's inspired, inspired by, by the, Snow Queen. the Snow Queen. Because one, that is a Danish story. Yeah. This is set in a mythical kingdom in Norway. Yeah, most Americans aren't going to know the difference. I know, but that changed. Although they just tried that with with the, with the British. They asked the British to fill in the states on the United States map. <laughs> yeah. 
You got a lot of who fucking cares. Uh, some somehow an Irishman snuck in there, um, but it's in, and, and the Snow Queen. I don't think is the sister story. And what I really liked about this was that even though they set up a romance because you sort of feel like you have to, you could cut it, and it might change a couple of things dramatically. But this is a story about two strong young women. Okay finding the confidence to be who they are supposed to be. And it went in directions I didn't expect as a result of that. Good directions. Good directions. And it's a full-on Broadway musical. I watched that from... Really? I hadn't gotten that either. No, because they hide that. Wow. They hid that in Tangled. They Wreck-It Ralph didn't have music. I mean, had songs, but it was they were not integral to the plot. Right. This is... There's like this opening number where I was like, yeah, that's not a musical... And then they got into something else, and then suddenly it goes into a song, this song, and I'm like, oh, hell, I could totally see this on stage. And it is designed. It who's is. Doing, did they say who's doing it's the It's the guys who wrote, uh, the, the guy who did the music with Trey and Matt for um, Book of Mormon. Oh, I can't really? Remember, I can't wow. remember his name, but he and his wife had worked with Disney before they did uh, the Winnie the Pooh movie, which had really kick ass mu- uh, music to it. Um, so they're really great songwriters. <laughs> It's a it's a beautiful musical, um, and I, I can see where you know for stage they'd have to add a few, but I could very much see this being, tri- you know, another Disney, uh, another Disney Broadway. stage musical. Um, but the other reason you have to see this in 3D is because beforehand is the short film, Get a Horse, the Mickey Mouse short, in which they combine uh, traditional, not only traditional primitive hand-drawn animation in this so that it begins looking like an original 1930s Mickey Mouse short. Like a Steamboat Willie kind like of. Like 1928, 1929. All, di- all of Mickey's dialogue is taken from Walt Disney's own soundtracks. So it's all his voice. Wow. It's all the original voice of Walt. And, uh, and they go up against Peg Leg Pete and it's blah, blah, blah. And Peg Leg Pete throws Mickey out of the Frame. screen oh. and into the theater and it becomes 3D CG. Wow. And it goes back and forth, fighting back and forth between 2D and 3D as they're fighting between the, the two planes of existence. First official Disney-Marvel crossover because Horace Horsecaller shows up in the movie theater wearing a Target Captain America t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I just about... Oh, I, wow. I, I squeed. Wow. I will admit. I went... <laughs> You <laughs> sound like Horace. I, it, it was he's like got a big large soda and walks in with <laughs> that's and he's got great. The Captain America shield. That's on in the CG part. In the CG oh, part, man. So, um, and it, it's 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 a brilliant short that for people that don't like those old cartoons might actually show them why people like them. Yeah, but brings it up and it just it show it's the history of Mickey Mouse animation. I mean, you know, or, or of Disney animation. Right there in a funny four or five minute short. I gotta go see this. And it's gotta be in 3D. It's gotta be in 3D. Okay. So, uh, I've only seen the one scene with them on the edge of that cliff being chased by the snow monster, and but it looked good. That's I mean, in Frozen. Yeah. Yeah. In Frozen. No, it's good. It, it's, uh, yeah. It, it, it was. Uh, I just thought very charming. I, I have not. Purchased the uh, the Infinity Pack okay. for it yet? So Monster made me think a little of Jar Jar Binks, but 
I mean, not the snow monster, the, 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 the snowman. snowman. I know. It's actually, it, he comes about very organically. Okay. Um, and I, I just don't want to say more because it was so, like, the first time he appears was, I went, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then disappears for a long period and then shows up again. I went, ah, now that makes, now he makes a lot of sense. And you gotta, I mean, the formula of this is you do have to have a little comic relief, but there is something, it's both goofy and strangely tragic uh. because of the way that he is established that, like, this thing about him that is, that is really like, it, like, oh my God, he's, you know, something messed up with him that's supposed to be funny. There's also this thing of like, well, yeah, of course, he had no he has no choice but to be this personality. It's, so it's not like uh, in uh, Finding Nemo, Dory. No, 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 it's hard to go spoiler free on it. It's just, okay. it's just, there is, you'll see it. it it's, it's subtle, but it make it actually makes sense. And maybe they overplay it a little bit, but it still makes sense. And then it's cute, and then you know the kids are gonna love it, and it's all fine and dandy. Okay. And uh, it so was, it sounds like a recommendation. It was a great, yeah. I'm hoping that uh, even if my children have seen it uh, today, I don't know that they have, but but this weekend, uh, you know, as my son says, uh, well, Dad will always take us to see it in 3D because <laughs> his mother, you know, she can't handle 3D. You know, which like 10 percent of the population yeah. can't. Yeah, uh, or maybe you know, I I might be wrong on this statistic, but but it's a significant enough statistic to say, look, I understand, and I don't, and I'm not saying that to be like. Oh. I wonder if they sell the polarized glasses with both lenses going the same way, so you can get it flat while everyone else is watching 3D. I think somebody should. That should be something they can do, so you could stay with your family to seeing it in 3D because there's no reason not to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you noticed over the weekend that uh, Fox put up a website. Called the um, the bent bullet. I had not seen this. Okay, this is tying in that Magneto tried to stop the Kennedy assassination. Oh my god! Which is actually then it implied that Mystique was the one who killed Kennedy. And what's this coming out? Of? I can't for for um for days oh, of for future the past. Days of future. Oh wow! So I kind of feel it was a little tasteless. I went through the whole thing and it was like, and then that Magneto was put on trial and then convicted of of being the second shooter and because a girl saw him like concentrate and but it, it's it kind of implied that he was trying to stop it right but uh but it's still like you know that's still kind of a wound in our psyche that's not something you play with not a, not on the anniversary too no no yeah. and i think the other thing is there have been Speaking a lot of, of Alpla, you know, we, I go back to Al Plastino. I think Al Plastino may have been one of the artists on that Superman secret mission for Kennedy book that was infamously uh, originally not, you know, not published because uh, it was scheduled to come out like the week after Kennedy was killed. Yeah. Um, but the original art, a page of original art sold over the weekend at auction for like $120,000 wow. of that, you know, so... So it's an interesting website. My uh, the guy Anthony's come in and, and uh, been here. Anthony Aranda pointed it out to me, and uh, so I I have to agree with him. I feel like I don't know. I was watching, going, it didn't add anything for me. I didn't know this piece of history. 
in the movie universe, and it just felt tasteless. Yeah. They should have created they a different... Yeah, uh, even if you do like a not a Kennedy kind of thing, a, yeah. a president's a stand-in... You know. Yeah, and and it, in it and in the in the documentation they say that Azazel and Tempest were um, had been killed by anti mutant protesters. Oh, that's what sponsored it. You know, and right, and so it's like okay, so you're coming up with an excuse for why Azazel won't be in the next movie. Since when has that bothered anybody? Yeah, that a hero, yeah. that a character. Wait a minute. Is not Wait a minute. Weird... The continuity in the X Men movies is so tight. Yes, uh, that I, I've seen the flow charts. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So that was weird. Sony also proclaimed that they're going to develop all the Spider Man superhero movies they can, all the Spider related heroes. So, which there had been a rumor that they'd cast somebody as Felicia Hardy. Okay. So people are you know speculating over the week is like a black cat. Are we going to get a black cat movie? We know we're going to get a Venom. Is it going to be Flash Thompson? That would be. I think that would be cool. Yeah, I think if they if they did the current Venom, that'd be an interesting movie. I don't want to see Eddie Brock, but I'd love I do not to want see, to see. I'd love to I don't see, want to see that kind of anti-hero. I'd like to see the Flash Thompson. Yeah. In uneasy, it's uh, somebody described it. It's like it's it's as if Ripley and Alien. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of like a Hulk superhero. Yeah, I think he'd do something interesting. Predator. The one and, and somebody just talked about Scarlet Spider. Uh, that's not that exciting. No, 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 no. Um, I can't remember who else. Oh, oh, that's uh, just confused. That's just silver, confuse silver people. Sable. Um, it would it would be good for either Black Cat or Silver Sable to get off the ground because I would love to see somebody prove that you can make again to overuse the phrase kick ass female superhero. You know, but Silver Sable, Silver Sable isn't that well developed a character. Not not But that really. doesn't mean doesn't mean she couldn't be for an hour and a half yeah. or 2 hours. I guess. Um, I'd, I'd be more interested in the Felicia Hardy story cuz there's a I lot think, of interesting I think things that's going where, on I there. think that's where people would go first, the yeah. Black Cat. And then one they're not talking about but and so I want to I I'm going to put this out there because I went away from Spider-Man for a long 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 time. But the one that I remember very much that, that was clearly a superhero but never seemed to take off uh, was the Prowler. Back and forth, right? Because he was a he was a well. He started off as a kind thief. of a burglar, a thief. But he, yeah, I'm not even sure he did. I think he was just like he was getting the guys that had wronged him or framed him for it, something. He was getting yeah. He in. was being pressured into pulling jobs and stuff. But and he kind of had an Iron Man style armor. For it, that no, he, it could, was he had claws cloth. that he could. But it was very not Iron Man style because it was very um, cloth. It was very. But he had it, he had hands that he could dig into yes. the. He could yes, crawl he had, up. He had claws, but he was very had a big billowy cape. But he had he had a like a helmet and I, I thought that he was, was a cloth mask. Uh, there may be okay. Anyway, but the idea that he was um, he's kind of back and forth as yeah. to whether or not he's a hero or he's a victim of of. Yeah. Uh, criminals or whether he is i think there's even been a case where he's been um kind of like working both sides of the law for for good you know well i think he worked with silver sable for a while as part of her uh yeah her team and then of course you get morbius so i thought you know at first when they said they wanted to do these heroes i think man they don't have that that wine but they they could be interesting if you've got morbius venom black cat and spider-man and they're all you know, I don't know who else. As a team? I, well, I don't know if they're going to go for a team or if they're yeah. just trying to expand out their market share. 
Um, you know, people misinterpreted. They said they have to work closely with Marvel, but the reason they have to work closely with Marvel is still because they only have film rights. They don't actually. They only get a piece of mar- of the merchandising. Ah. You know, so Sony. It's worth it to Sony to make the films because right. the films are making money hand over fist, and they certainly don't want to give Spider Man this amazing friends back to Marvel. But you know they they share the profits on the toys and the the beach towels and the, the yeah you know so uh, as long as they don't try to do a uh, Ghost Rider again they can try whatever they want I'm fine with that um, don't you think there could be a Ghost Rider relaunch that didn't involve Nicolas Cage uh well well sure there could be um, but I mean a good one I mean no I'm gonna stand by what I've said before is uh, tell me I mean tell me honestly Rick outside of the origin yeah what Ghost Rider story sticks in your mind. Uh, I would go. Uh, I, I would. I would do it like the Spawn movie. I would. I would go a little bit um, out there as far as the whole foot in both worlds kind of storyline. Okay, but my, but when I asked you, it, you there's no storyline oh, oh, sticks story out. Uh, and 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 my my contention and it has long been is Ghost Rider is one of the most awesome looking characters there is. Right. But that's it. That's where it ends. He is not... He, Johnny Blaze is not that interesting, unique a character, which is one of the problems with... I haven't seen the second movie, but since most people tell me I shouldn't even bother unwrapping it, um, you know, the first movie, it's clear. You know, Nicolas Cage was struggling mightily to give Johnny Blaze something that makes Johnny Blaze stand out. I thought it was actually better when they split Johnny Blaze off into a different character. And, and the Danny, Ghost Rider. And then Danny Ketch was. Ketch or, was the Ghost Rider. And then, then you had, you, there was an interplay between those eventually characters. Eventually when you had that, but, but, but the thing is, it's also. I'm having trouble naming a storyline because I don't remember. The, there, there weren't really like well, huge arcs that were named. What I mean is there just, there just weren't. There just aren't. Yeah. They're classic. There are things people liked. But they're but it's like the midnight, the rise of the midnight suns. Back then, the Danny right, Ketch thing right. was all like, "Well, it's an interesting but odd idea that the devil has this enforcer who goes and gets back, uh, gets back souls, Pulls souls back into hell, and which really yeah. was Reaper, yeah. Um, and other other store, other TV series have done it and uh, picked up the idea and worked just as well, and even. The I would say the unofficial um, and best Ghost Rider movie starring Nicolas Cage isn't Ghost Rider. It's Drive Angry. I have, did like Drive Angry. Have, Drive Angry is awesome. I did like Drive Angry. <laughs> and back to my rating system, that would be my five planet movie of <laughs> I will sit down and watch Drive Angry and I say, I cannot defend that as yeah. a human being. I just found Drive Angry so completely wonderfully over the top. And it, it's fun. It's an energetic uh, drive, but it's a Ghost Rider through movie. insanity. He's Ghost Rider, yeah, without looking like yeah, Ghost without Rider. looking Ghost Rider. You know, yeah. and and William Fichtner, the the accountant who's flipping the the accountant from hell who keeps flipping the coin. Yeah, that movie made me a huge fan of him. Like I'll watch anything now because he made that movie. That was the way to po- poise Satan. Yeah. You know, and it was just yeah. like, oh my god, that was great. So um, that's that stands out. Um, that's it for my movie stuff. So now we get to talk about what really matters. We're going to transition because this is the TV show that should be a movie. The number two movie in America this week 
not this week. It's not fair. They we're 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 tilting in the world the stats. It's in the world. In the world. I don't know if it's number two in the world right now. Is it, it? probably is. No, because it's only because there've only been two days, two showings, two showings total. But for that day. Okay. I wouldn't be for surprised. Monday, I wouldn't be surprised. For Monday. Wait a minute. Let's see. What would, what would be the date? Uh, this month's episode. Monday, November 25th. On that day, nationwide box office in the U.S. And, and oh, yeah, it made a killing in England. No question, but it, would, it shouldn't have been a question. The number two movie in the U.S. at over $4 million with only one showing on 660 screens and it had already been shown, as you pointed out to me, already been shown two days previously on television, television. and is probably available on demand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's available on iTunes. Oh, I know it's available on iTunes, but but was Doctor Who Day, day of, of the, the Doctor. Doctor. The Day of the Doctor. So, which, why we say it fits transitioning, it was in a movie theater. I saw it on Saturday I saw in it the on simulcast. And... Um, I got to write up not not a review of the thing because I think Drew Simchick did a fantastic review. I don't agree with all of his points, but I never do. Yeah. But you know, Drew's the guy that's seen all fifty years, so you know he he he's coming at it from a different direction, and I respect it absolutely. But I want to write up the experience again. I've had a chance of being in that movie theater, and to have. Uh, like a, a hundred sonic screwdrivers salute before the lights went down. Yeah. And to have the theater employees come in and say, no lineups, nothing lining up, because they clearly did not know what it was they were showing. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a guy who was, of course, a young man, but a dead ringer for David Tennant, just walking around to make people swoon, and had a pretty good David Tennant impersonation going. I hated him. He was with a Captain Jack. And, uh, wow. you know... But the thing is now the question the, the question has been the BBC has talked about this before because was the guy uh, one of the guys who worked on the Harry Potter franchise had said that the BBC had approached him to do a Doctor Who movie, and Stephen Moffat uh, said no way that's full of you know I'd like to I've got plans to go to the moon but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Did we have speculation on that when they shot the episodes in the US too? That they were, I think there might have been, and so yeah. that's the question is now when you know. Uh, the thing is, the hype for the 50th anniversary isn't any different than the hype that you, goes into promoting a film. And the only question I have, if you make it into a, before we go totally gush on it, is does it have the staying power when you have 660? Okay, and the other, the, the, the number one movie was Catching Fire uh, the whole day. Right. And was on 4,000 screens, so versus 660. Yeah. So you know the hardcore fans, and I don't think anybody that's a close friend of mine didn't go. I mean, except perhaps Lon and Nate, being as they don't like the show. But you went, Chris Garcia went, yeah. Salazar's went. Uh, Actually, Chris hasn't seen it yet. Oh, we're, no, he hasn't. That's right. We're going to do a showing. He and Linda, we're going to have them over the house to watch, to watch it, I think, on the 7th. December 7th, right, because it's the Pearl Harbor Day. That's, so you're welcome that, to come is over. Is that next Friday? That's next Friday. I think it's next Friday. No. Dang it. Yeah, no, maybe it is. Uh, hang on. Let me pull up my calendar. I'm going to do this live as Derek decides if he can want. Uh, no, it's Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, I have to chaperone the winter ball. 
Uh, so I will unfortunately miss that epi- that showing. But I, I will watch it a few times, I think. Well, I'll probably watch it this weekend with my I've kids. I've watched it four times already. I only watched it the once. I will, but I will watch it with my kids. I knew I was going to you know, watch it with my kids this weekend. And um, so I don't know if it would hold a... If it would hold water as a film, and the thing, but and the other thing is, if you, you mean additional it, films as an additional film? If you because would, this was, this was the pinnacle of the since the rebirth with Eccleston. The, this is the pinnacle episode of that whole run. What I absolutely loved about it was, I thought, rewrote things that had been established yes. without violating yes. anything that had been established. Brilliant. Now, ideally, uh, and then rolling with it, you know, I, 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 think it, I think there were some elements that, yes, it's possible that they had originally hoped Eccleston would just step in. I think the War Doctor might indeed have been a creation out of necessity. I side with Drew on this. I think that he was right that it would have been a different story with Eccleston there, and it was yeah. better to have the two... Doctors who were not quite so adult. Yeah, I like. Well, I think that was a good theme. That it was. I, I no, I love that idea. I, I but I'm saying I think that was an adjustment made after the fact. Yeah. Um. But I. But sometimes serendipity. You just. You just. Yeah. Hit the you right deal. Thing. You deal with what it is because yeah. I don't think by the end of that episode, we all accepted John Hurt. Oh yeah. Everyone accepted John Hurt as the Doctor. Yeah. And more than John, more than the John Hurt Doctor accepted yes. himself. No, and which was yeah. what was what made it so poignant. I found myself weeping quite a bit at that episode with that paint because here's some things, um, and then we may go into spoiler mode. But by the time this is live, I think everybody who would have watched this episode yeah, would have watched sure. it. You know, is because my children were uh, the weekend before kind of leaping around the doctors, and we were leaping around episodes. Again, just like when I realized, oh, the gift of Eccleston in Rose checking out his ears like he had never seen right, his face before. Right, right. Went, oh, that's the war doctor. The thing about um, how many children yes. were killed, we watched The Beast Below. And then it, we just watched The Beast Below, which hammers home that the one thing the doctor cannot ignore is the sound of a child crying. And so when Bad Wolf said that, and you see it reflect on Matt Smith, and I'm like, that has been the entire theme of, or the subtext of Matt Smith's run. And, I mean, there were so many brilliant touches, like when she turned, uh, when Clara turns to John Hurt and says, your eyes aren't as old. And I've long held that that's the one thing is when Smith lets it drop and can make his eyes look like he is 1,200 years old and has seen 1,200 and is putting on a right. show. There was a scene when, when he's scratching into the wall. Yes. And his face is half in shadow and he looks out of it almost like angrily. Why are you talking about this? I don't like, I want to talk about this. Don't talk about this. You, you, you can kind of really see. Because it's both a petulant child and a petulant old man. Yes. Yes, and so I thought there was such beautiful subtext to and 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 lo, whatever the Zygons, uh, they're fun. They well, I loved the solution. Yes, I loved the solution because right now I'd like to use it in a lot of places. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I just world peace. This just that easy. Let, if we could all just forget who we are. Yeah, who are I, 
just there were so many cool things on 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 that, and I, you know, there's a great cinematic and fun, and I do think it's great that David Tennant's uh, Thomas Screwdriver or the thing that goes ping downloads Comicsology. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, just yeah, a, a, there so much about the forgiveness and the coming back around. I, I oh, the promise. What is the promise? Never cruel or cowardly. cowardly. Yes. Never give up. And that the sound of the TARDIS is brings, the sound, hope. brings hope even to you. Yeah. And then to see Tom Baker. Yeah. And and there's the hint. I mean, of course, everybody went. I, I here's where I okay, <laughs> a, a point where I know I cried, and it was like it was like boom. When I said when they when they'd done the calculations, they go, we're going to put it in. I was glad. To, I was kind of glad Timothy Dalton wasn't there. Because if Timothy Dalton had been in there, then the question would have been, no, he was the evil one in the moment. This is like a feeling like there's a Gallifrey completely separate from the one from the Gallifrey, the Time Lords. There were multiple Gallifreyan cities, though. Right. Yeah. So these were the Gallifreyans. Totally- this was the second, uh, second. the one they were in was the second something. Right, right. The, fall of, yeah. the fall of uh, yeah. Arcadia. Yeah. This was the city of Arcadia. Arcadia was, was worth saving. Yes. The Rassilon was not. So that mm-hmm. doesn't get invalidated. He's caught up in the moment, but Rass and but that whole fall of do- of tenant right. with Rassilon still stands. Yeah, still worthwhile. So it doesn't invalidate that. Um, but where I when so we're going to do the calculations, but I've been thinking about it a long time, and bring in William Hartnell, and then I feel feel the tears going down. Right, and as you count forward, and all of them are like, and then of course where the entire audience went. Nuts. Yeah. Uh, was to see Capaldi. Just his eyes. Just his eyes. Yeah. And to go, ah! You know, it was, that was great. No, the 13. The 13. Well, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because Moffat also says he's counting the second, the second tenant as, okay. as an incarnation as well, because that would have been a regeneration. So they're out. So not only is that, Matt Smith is the last one. Which is why he's going to Which is why the planet. Sisterhood of Karn yeah. has to be there for uh, why we have to see that at the Eighth Doctor thing. But um, the thing, Tom Baker's, and I think this is where we're also getting a thing in the future. We'd like to revisit old faces is Moffat has said that Russell T. Davis had an idea that he likes about why faces reappear. Why Capaldi was in Rome and in Torchwood, and could still be the Doctor. Oh, I hadn't realized they were going to tie all those in. So it's also the, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the other Baker, Colin Baker. Colin Baker had is a Centurion in, in yes. a, in a uh, right episode with. So yeah. So um, Peter Davison, I think. Yeah, yeah. So and before he came, right? So yeah. the, so Davis has this had this theory for it. That's cool. And so, but that, but but then Tom Baker's appearance, yeah. Implies that, but he, I love the line where he goes. Well, sometimes we try on old faces. Yes, it's like well, you, metaphorically or physically. You know? No, I think physically. Oh no, I, I know, I but you can read it both ways. It's I know, like, but I think it was because it's, I could be the curator, and yeah. you know, and that's I could it. Be a great curator. And now I'm the and now yeah. he's the curator. So who knows? Who, who knows? Oh, I just yeah. And he had the round things. If you look at, it's like yeah, I, so. You know. Uh, you know, what are they for? No idea. But it, but it also brought up so many great. Storytelling possibilities with the black gallery, the the way the paintings go. I mean, that could be endlessly plumbed. Yeah, uh, for story ideas in novels and big finish dramas. I, I just so magnificently done. I did go get the big finish uh, Eighth Doctor episodes that introduced the Sisterhood. 
So I'm listening to that one Are they only now. in the Big Finish? I yeah, I think they're only in the Big no, Finish. No, I thought Moffat has said it was in some storyline in... We shall go to Drew Simchick for okay. this. But they're definitely, it's definitely uh, Eighth Doctor with them. Well, and he then clearly he knows who back they are. He them. clearly knows who they are. In the but Night there of the was, Doctor. But the, but the uh, sister he meets in the Night of the Doctor has a name similar okay. to another one who had appeared before. But I don't think I the uh, the Big Finish stuff, if you've ever seen them at, at uh, conventions, they've got tables and tables of the I know, CDs and, and stuff. I've never listened to one. But you can actually, if you go online to their website, you can you can buy just the MP3s. And so uh, one, of those, one of those CDs will only cost you like five bucks to get the MP3s for the same story. You have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it. Because you know that now there's a lot of people starting a petition trying to get a, an Eighth Doctor series, like I you know. But I would like to say, why not do a mini series? So good in that he's one. Still, he's still he's. I liked the damn Fox movie, and I'll admit that back then I didn't yeah. know that much. It, I it, thought Eric Roberts needed to be reined in a little bit, but I thought that no one can rein in Eric Roberts. Yeah. I'll tell stories about that later, but not on the, on the air. But uh, but I liked him in that, yeah. and and it's a and he's still young enough. Yeah. You do a season, do five episodes. Give us give Paul McGann another chance because my god, that would make him international superstar Paul McGann in the way that, you know, yeah. David Tennant and and now Matt Smith, who but knows. But for those who don't know, he does his own voice on the Big Finished uh Well, don't episodes. all of the living ones do? I'm not sure about that. Baker has done uh Tom Baker has done Baker's Big Finish. done Big Finish. It didn't sound to me. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to say yes, but I don't. I, I actually don't know. I, we should find out. There's a lot we don't know, and that's yeah. the and that's, and I guess. And here's the thing that was dumb, but I got to reflect on this is that I thought about this. This is the 50th anniversary, and of course Matt Smith made a joke about seeing it, the 100th anniversary in 12D. Yes. And Stephen Moffat in the documentary afterwards was saying, like, you know, we have the responsibility to, to lay the groundwork so that the there could be a hundred. And I thought. Well, here it is. The weekend before, I'm sharing this with my kids. I was younger than Luke when I saw my first Pertwee episode. I was six. Yeah. Um, Didn't know what the hell I was watching, and no adult knew what I was watching either. You saw it when it got serialized. On Channel 5, on KPIX, you know, on Saturday nights. And I was like, it wasn't even in my own home. I think I I was about 14 when I saw that. So, um and then I watched, you know, I got for the Sci-Fi Book Club. I got three novelizations by Terrence Dix, yeah, you know, one three in one volume. And so then KQED started showing them. So I watched the Tom Baker. So around, you know, younger and, and older than my son, to say I'm going to share this with my son, and then realizing he, he yeah, he's going to get a lot of Doctor Who stuff for Christmas because he's begged for it, you know, is he's probably going to pass it on to his. And so I'm watching a show about legacy. And realizing I've got a connection to a legacy, and it's it's the great thing about fandom, and it's sitting around and like I said, being in a movie theater, and looking down the row, just the weirdest coincidence of my my friend Mark and your friend too, Mark Anthony Masterson, who's the writer of Dorothy, which is being revived, um, that Mark is sitting there, and I'm down there because I'm going to go to the Long Beach Comic Con. Mark doesn't, didn't even make it to the Long Beach Comic Con, but the artist, new artist on Dorothy, is was there. And but but that I traveled 360 miles exactly. to sit in the row the, with a guy that I've been friends with for years that I had you know no idea but to see all this connection and then to talk to people 
so many damn t-shirts I wanted to buy. Uh, you know, I mean, because everybody had different t-shirts. Right. And, you know, and it was great. And, and the men's room was full of fezes, which is a little awkward to say. But, you know. I'm sure the women's room was full of fezes, fezes too. Yeah. And kids dressed as Daleks and Cybermen. I was, I was amazed at the families. Yes. Whole families going out to see this movie. More than because you see it like is, the Avengers or it anything. It is a family show. Yeah. And people are passing along. And you've got that history. You can go back. And what I haven't watched yet, but will hopefully watch tonight, Adventures in Time and Space, the uh, movie that Mark Gaddis wrote about the creation of the show. So have you watched it yet? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, so... It's a beautiful... And it's... Man, I need to find the uh, soundtrack to that. Okay, so... It's I, wonderfully orchestrated. I started to watch it last night, and I fell asleep five minutes in because I was just exhausted. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it tonight. I didn't even know about it. We were over having dinner with some friends, and they said, have you seen this yet? And I said, no. And they, Did you see but, The Five-ish Doctors? No, I have not. I haven't seen that yet either. Yeah. But but that they, but they, they included everyone living that wanted to be involved. Yes. Was involved. That's the way to handle an anniversary. But the fact that you've got that, I mean, you know... It, that it's still vibrant. It's not. It's not like a reunion special. This is a show still going on and and, and it had, bringing back the old. And actors. it was a real story. It was real emotional growth and um, morality and even, to and, it. And even though the CG kind of sucked on that last shot of the thirteen doctors standing there, yeah, I still cried. That was awesome. Yeah. I want that poster, and I will look at it and I go. I wish it looked better than it does, but it is what it is. I love it. <laughs> I grabbed it off. I grabbed it off the screen and made it my uh, Facebook cover. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, I just so so happy. Yeah, you saw the uh, and in the after they showed the movie, they showed the, the making of popcorn feels pain. Popcorn does uh, feel pain. It screams wonderfully. Um, they they showed the making of yeah. that, and then at the end of that, they were showing that shot. And so they, they had the yeah. actors who were stand-ins, and you could yeah. see the green spot dots on their faces, so yeah. they could they could uh, be yeah have the regular faces put in later. What I really would like to see happen in the upcoming now, like the rumored Capaldi things, are that it's going to be two seasons of seven episodes each. Yeah, and I don't know why these rumors are starting. Like, who knows? Who knows? Knows, but. I would love to see the actor who played William Hartnell, whose name has always escaped me, but he's Filch in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. He was in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Yeah. Since he looks so much like Hartnell. Yes. Come back. I would love to see Capaldi, yeah. he and Capaldi face off. That'd be really cool. And, and it's like in my mind, I'm going, I know that's just an actor, but I'm like going, but he's a little too old to play him now, isn't he? But he's not. He's, he's like obviously a, a, a great here's the, actor. Here's the, he was so good, he convinced me that he was too old to play the role. But you want to get you, I mean, just to, for people listening, and I think you probably thumbed the Doctor Who vault and realized this too, Capaldi and Hartnell are both the same age when they started playing the Doctor. Ah. They're both 56. Yeah. But you, talk, but you look back at the early 60s, Fifty six looked old. Yeah, Capaldi doesn't look that old. Well, they were trying. To, he's also a pretty hard drinking guy too. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got that much from the five minutes I yeah. watched. But it was still, I yes, you know, so I'm really looking forward to watching that. And I, I can't give a Shield update. That's the, I still haven't watched Shield. Just like one more, one more thing. Favorite lines from the night. We've we've done a bunch of favorite favorite lines from the uh, Day of the Doctor. Yeah, my two favorite lines. What are you going to do? Assemble a cabinet at them? Yes, that was great. And stop waving those things around as if they were squirt guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
So maybe we'll have the doctor doing a little less waving of his magic wand. I, but I, but I, you know, who's, yeah. Can't you talk without waving, <laughs> waving your hands? <laughs> uh, of course I can. <laughs> no, apparently no, not. I have another, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Also, a, fa- a favorite moment, because I just love the subtlety of it, when the two Osgoods faced off. Yeah. And, and the realization that, which is, which is, I believe, I've had too many political conversations like this this week with the, not to get political, but to talk about the Iran deal and how people are like, oh, I don't trust them. I'm like, no, I don't trust the leaders particularly, but I trust the people don't want to die. Right. And... And that, and then that kind of came home to me with that, with the Osgoods, where it's, where you realize that one Osgood does know right which one which she one they is. are because she's got the inhaler because you know she knows she's the zygon the, the little thing, and finger to the lips, and, and, which just proves my point is that you know that's that's that hope and it goes back to I got that was also a moment of trust. Yes, we both recognize what's going on no, here, but, sh- but we're keeping it. it to ourselves. Yes, yeah, that was great, and it takes me back to. I've got to find that Craig. Have you ever seen the Craig Ferguson video when he did this, the, the the musical number in tribute to Doctor Who? I've and, seen and so Matt, many. And Matt Ferguson. Smith, Matt Smith pops up at the very end, like that's me. Oh, I don't think I have. Um, it's a he where he says basically the chorus and like nothing rhymes, nothing is. It's, it's like it's awkward, it's funny, and it's like this. It's like the cheapest. Cardboard reproductions of every alien you can, you know, whatever, because it's on this little set on the Craig Ferguson. Right, show. right, right. But I also think it got to the heart of it, which is that compassion and intellect will triumph over brute force and, and fear. Ignorance. Yeah, and you know, and and it's like, and that's what that episode felt like to me was compassion, and you know, yeah. and finding the choice that allows for everyone to live, and it takes me back to. Because I discovered my son has found some kind of wiki online where he's explored every alien. He's telling me more about aliens I don't even know. But he knows about the empty child. Yeah. And, and how it took me back to the empty child of, of the doc, my favorite moment in Eccleston of, his, of the doctor, da- of the doctor the dances. Doctor, because nobody dies. Nobody dies. Everybody lived. That's everybody you, lived. And, and it, because that is so much about the children, too. Yes. You know, and it's right and, back and to and it. And that's what... And that's what this episode. That was the first time I cried me. in a Doctor Who. I cried at that the first yeah. time around, and what I thought again doesn't get invalidated that he that Eccleston had to carry the survivor's guilt, right? Which then actually I can d- dramatically justify why he can't appear. Yeah, because he has to still carry that guilt. Mm-hmm. Then Tennant has to be dashing the man who regrets, but he's the dashing hero, right? And then the man who forgets. I mean, it, it just hammered at home. And suddenly I'm like, did you plan this theme for these runs? Because it works beautifully. Moffat is so brilliant. I'm so much looking forward to the next season. There are, Sherlock. People, that, uh, there are people that hate Moffat. And I'm going to go with this. That I've, I think the thing is he has taken on a crotchety persona. Like I've met him. I've had conversations with him. And have walked away feeling like, well, I've alienated There's that hero. I shouldn't have. Been. I've alienated that man. Like he, but everybody seems to walk away having that, you know, because I think he thinks it's funny, but I think he's also in a very difficult position as the steward of this incredibly huge pop culture you phenomenon. Know, I, I, I would look at it this way: if I met Oscar Wilde, 
I'd probably come away with the same the same impression. I would uh, I'd yeah. probably mock me mercilessly. Yeah, um, it's it's just, but it wouldn't make his writing any less brilliant. No, and I and I no, and, and I think that he has some ideas that differ from mine about social advancement. I don't think he's particularly feminist. Ah. Um, but on the other hand, I think Clara is an incredibly strong character. Yeah. I think Amy Pond was. Um, you know, and because the easy thing would, because certainly God knows Karen Gillan was throwing off sexual vibes in the first few episodes, the easy thing would have made, been to make her leave Rory. The, you know, the difficult thing was to make that relationship work. To make work. that relationship work when everybody wanted it to, not wanted to. her to be with Matt Smith. Yeah. And then to prove no. And it's not just Rory's dedication, but that she, you yeah. know, is someone worth being loved. She's the girl who waited as well. A, yeah, she, yeah. I mean, yeah. That she was someone worth being loved. Yes. By by someone like Rory. Yeah. You know, and so I he, I think Moffat gets a bad rap, but I, and a part of it is this persona that I don't think is really him either. It's just I would hate to be in that position. Uh, you know, and, but, oh, I would love to be in that position, but I would hate to be in that position because. It's like me, you know, I don't think that guy, it's like probably remember Matt Smith right now. I don't think you can walk 100 feet in England without someone knowing who you are, pestering you for answers, you know? I so, have an answer to your, your original question about making, uh, about movies. Yeah. I would love to see them continue to make the series, and then when they have that break at the end of the series and they're making the Christmas episode... Make that the same way they did this one, so you can watch it, it on TV, simulcast. and then go watch it. Watch it in the theater as well. And I think you know, just throw a little more money at that episode because those episodes are yeah. typically standalone kind of stories. They yeah. don't usually move the plot along. Well, so for the casual viewer, they're going to be more accessible too. And you know, honestly, I, mean, I would love if you get a good plot. Just because I have my favorite, I would love to see Tenant get a movie. I would have loved to see that. Or I would love to see... A Doctor Who movie. A Doctor Who movie yeah. in which Tenant and Smith... Go ahead. Put 10 and 11 back back together, you know, and come up with a reason for two Doctors. Have you watched the Tenant uh, miniseries, the OSS thing, or... Uh, uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. It's really good. Or I mean, Broad Church, yeah. which I hear is really good, yeah. which they're, which is weird. They're remaking Broad Church as an American series. Really? With David Tennant in the lead, but with an American accent. Interesting. So... Well, um, strange. I know. But apparently um, Low Winter Sun was the same thing. Okay. Was a BBC or a Sky One or whatever, um, whatever, whatever ITV was a miniseries with Mark Strong. So they took Mark Strong, who was the lead in Low Winter Sun in England, and they put him on an AMC version of, of Low Winter Sun and changed the locale and made him do the accent that was appropriate to the new location. So I don't know that that worked with Low Winter Sun, but I didn't see it. I wanted to because it was like, oh, it's Mark Strong. He's a really good actor. I hate to think that. You, I, I I know it's true, but I hate to think we have to be pandered to that we can't have a a show that doesn't have Americans in it that be produced by. Well, you know what the thing is, and that, that you're right because the idiocy here is like, I'm sorry, Doctor Who exactly proves your point. Yes, because Doctor Who is insanely popular in this yes. country. Never been more popular, 
and it is completely perfectly British, and no one is looking. People are actually horrified with the thought of Americanizing it. Although yeah. the joke on Community was pretty funny when they did that when they did Inspector Space Time's Americanization, but but that it, 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 we'd be horrified by it. Yeah. Although it would fail. Uh, apparently now Moffat has admitted that he was looking to do like if Johnny Depp. There was a rumor that Johnny Depp was going to be the American Doctor, um. and he said what it re- had really been contemplating was maybe having an episode like as a one-off thing doing that i mean because there have been american actors obviously it's weird to think that james marsters was the only american actor who really got to break got to cross the the border and be part of the of the who universe but you read the russell davis book dennis hopper wanted to be a villain he would be cool but unfortunately, he died yeah. Yeah. before they could make it work. But he wanted to come on and be a villain on Doctor Who. And I'm like, Dennis Hopper? You know, and that's when you know it's gone <laughs> really. So. I know. He's pretty damn crazy in uh, no, Blue I, Velvet. Oh, no, 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 no. Just, no. He, he, I think he'd fit just, right in. No, but I think he'd fit in. But it's just, I, I just wouldn't think that Dennis Hopper was had been aware yeah. of Doctor Who. True, true. And that's, that's what really blew my head off. Yeah. So I, you know, but make an episode. You say you want to pimp it up, make an episode and put an American star in a guest guesting role, which I don't think they've really done. We've seen Simon Pegg, we've seen Jessica Stevenson. They're actors that we know, but they're British. You Den, know, uh, Dennis Hopper was was totally a Doctor Who villain in Waterworld. Still haven't seen Waterworld. You haven't seen yet, Waterworld, but, but I, it's got like I know gold your point. pirate. Air, I saw I, the stunt air, show I, okay. at Universal Studios. It's fantastic. If if Waterworld the movie were half as good as the stunt show, okay, well, I could probably you could it. watch it. You should try it. You should try watching. I still haven't watched the Fifth Element, and that one's good. So I've watched the Fifth Element. See exactly. There we go. Confession for the end of 2013. All right. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think that added a couple of things to our Christmas recommendation list because you can get the 3D Blu-ray, and it is there available on on Fanboy Planet. Uh, through the Amazon link. I do recommend, of course, again, the PayPal. I'm sorry, I got to push that because I said the Fanboy Mobile uh, has suffered some great hits this week. Um, and the reality is, you know, hosting ain't free. So, uh, but if you like what you're listening to, of course, you can, lis- you can listen to us on iTunes. You can rate us, recommend us, and uh, do subscribe. The same thing happens on Stitcher. Uh, you can rate us, recommend us. And uh, our our subscriptions on Stitcher have gone up. So Appreciate when you do that, too. Yes. It matters uh, to us. And just listen to www.fanboyplanet.com. And if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism you want to talk about, should we reinstall a rating system? Whatever. Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Find us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash fanboyplanet. Uh, also, you can follow us on Twitter, which is fanboyplanet. We're very... <laughs> We're There's not very creative. There. There's a theme there. I, I just didn't want to add to the confusion. Uh, so follow us on all those social media sites uh, and tell us if there's some more we should be on. But uh, you know, and of course you can check out. We are uh, say continuing uh, the podcast uh, for those who miss Lawn. I think a very different flavor over at Moron Life launched Moron versus Fanboy last week. Uh, I thought we did a pretty good job, and then our director got ill this week, so we did not, which was good because I. Didn't have the energy on Monday anyway. But, uh, you know, I don't know if that'll be a weekly thing, but it's interesting. We're trying to find a way to make it different than uh, the podcast. I think it's going to make it a little more fan, you know, truly more on versus fanboy and get kind of that sandpaper up. But I, I like the energy of both. And uh, 
much rather be able to talk seriously about stuff here. So um, just two different flavors. And if you miss Lon, check that out. And uh, More on life, M-O-R-O-N. Well, it's also available on Fanboy Planet. We'll, and we'll right. be leaving it on that. But, but Lon is the, is the producer of that. And uh, that's why it's not fanboy versus moron. He does have a whole bunch of other content yeah, on he his does. site, too. some great stuff. So uh, I think that's... Uh, oh, my God, we reached the end. There we are. So uh, hopefully we will have Nate back with us next week. Um, we're not sure which day, which day we're going to be recording. Oh, we should mention, of course, we are here at Seven Stars Bar and Grill, uh, which next Wednesday, the 4th of December, they're having a Star Wars Tattoo Art Festival. Uh, so... Uh, we may humbly beg out of that because I have a feeling this place is going to be packed and crazy and not wanting to talk about anything other than tattoos. Um, but uh, we will come pick another night to record and we will be back in. So I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Snyder, reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only, only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. Good night, Nate. We all screwed up here. Um, Richard Starkings posted that, uh, so on Monday night, in 660 screens across the U.S., Doctor Who was the number two movie in the country. Yeah, that's what I heard. For the full day. Yeah. So behind... For, know, for something that had already shown on television. Right. And so, you know, and, and that's... Um, you want to save this for the... Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it because, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation that is coming out of it. Like was maybe there should be a real movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I'm ready when you are. All right, let's just. Uh, that's why we have no Nate. So we. Just I'll do. It. I'll do that. Or we can both do it. Like like like. Oh, do you want to? Like carolers. Listen up. Why don't you? Why don't you start and then I'll join in. Okay. Can we do it like like Nate? I let's see if I yodel. Uh, <laughs> all right. Give me the fingers. Listen, Listen up, up fanboy. Tonight's show is a little different. Tonight's show is about a man who's not really a man. He's a doctor, but he's not really a doctor. Like Dr. Phil, but awesome. Most people in the United States of America have not heard of him. He's just like me in that regard. Who is he? He's the doctor.
universe for good in an out-of-bison universe. You are correct in your summation of this character, Michael Payne. Rabbit friend. Ooh, tell me more. The show will be funny in Britain. Almost 50 years. With many different actors in the role of the doctor. And if there is any hope for any of us in this giant explosion in which we inhabit, then surely that's it. Intellect and romance triumph over brute force and cynicism. Right, Doctor? Absolutely. Yeah.